Thank you for tuning into the Lit House Podcast. It is me, your host, Ta, and I am here today um, to discuss something that I love dearly, books. It is so exciting to be back in this space. I have missed you guys so much. And today we are going to discuss a book that is, you know, it's it's kind of heavy. The content of the book is something that I was just like, oh my goodness, as I flip from page to page. But I hope you enjoy as we discuss Grown by Tiffany D. Jackson. Here we go. The book Grown is going to be summarized today by bookbrowse.com. I am going to read this summary of the book and then we are going to hop into it about the author, about the book, about the characters, and what I think this book means to our community and something that we really need to make our children aware of, you know, make young adults aware of. And it's really something that women should read that fathers should read because it really, really tells a message um, that we all need to take to heart and that we all need to just kind of heighten our awareness when it comes to our children and who we allow around them. So the book summary of Grown is the award-winning author Tiffany D. Jackson delivers another riveting rip from the headlines mystery that exposes horrific secrets hiding behind the limelight and embraces the power of a young woman's voice. When legendary R&B artist Corey Fields spots Enchanted Jones at an audition, her dreams of being a famous singer take flight. Until Enchanted wakes up with blood on her hands and zero memory of the previous night, who killed Corey Fields? Before there was a dead body, Enchanted's dreams had turned into a nightmare because behind Corey's charm and star power was a controlling dark side. Now he's dead, the police are at the door, and all signs point to Enchanted. So that is the summary of the book and we are about to begin reviewing it. But first I wanna tell you a little bit about Tiffany D. Jackson, the author. Tiffany D. Jackson was born in New York and grew up in Brooklyn Heights. She states that she first started wanting to become a writer when she was four years old. She attended Hendrick Hudson High School and Howard University. So her debut, uh, a debut young adult novel, allegedly, is about a teen who was accused of having murdered a baby when she was nine years old and find out that she is pregnant while living in a group home. So Tiffany Jackson is this amazing artist who writes these very real stories that are happening in our communities and she brings them to light. Um, sometimes when we think about young people, we don't think that they really have it hard. Um, we don't think that they really you know, struggle. We think that the only things that they may have to deal with is witnessing maybe domestic violence or arguments in the home or we feel like they may have to deal with um you know having a parent that may be um you know addicted to some kind of substance but we always think about our young people 
as having like secondhand issues, issues that are not directly happening to them, but issues that are happening to somebody in their immediate family or who they have, who they live in the house with. And we say, you know, those things kind of like adversely affect them. But what Tiffany D. Jackson does in her books is she actually takes the time to talk about how young people not only have that, you know, um, secondhand um, issues that are happening to th happening to them, but they also have issues that are directly happening to them. Sometimes they are the victim of molestation. Sometimes they are the ones who get pregnant by a family member that is, um, you know, raping them or taking advantage of them. And you know, and sometimes they are the ones who are pulled into the sex trafficking directly, even if they come from a two-parent household, because you know. Parents, we are not always aware of all of the ways that our children are being solicited by predators. What we have to remember is that predators are real, that predators are out here in this world, and that we live in the age where you know it's not so much as your kid walking from the bus stop and somebody pulls up and you know say hey you know come here kid you know i have some candy or you know different things like that we um those things are still happening you know kids are being snatched but we also live in the world where the internet and millions of people are at the fingertips um, for our children and so the same way that all of this information is at our children's fingertips our children are also at the fingertips of people so we we have to remember that dynamic and you know our kids they're being solicited through YouTube through games through TikTok through you know all of these different apps and I know we don't want to feel like we're suffocating our kids or we're being overbearing but like there's a thin line between knowing what's going on in your children's life and then allowing them to have freedom to the point where they don't have the emotional or mental capacity yet to always discern and look at something and see, oh, this is dangerous. And two, it can be almost too late and then they're taken or they're caught up. So I applaud Tiffany Jackson just for writing something that is just, you know, so real and so relatable and writing in it a way where, um, you know, our children can read it and they can ask questions and it provides a platform for them to talk to adults about the seriousness of some of these things that children their age are truly, you know, enduring. And just because our children are 12 and 13 or whatever the age they may be, and we feel like, oh, you know, they don't have any idea about that. There's nothing wrong with kind of giving them some level of awareness so that they can be careful. So I am going to begin talking to you guys about this book, Grown, and about this young girl named Enchanted and kind of like, you know, how she gets caught up all because she has a dream. And the thing about our children is when they have dreams, you know, they dream big. So we don't want to let them down. But once again, if we just don't kind of give them some awareness about their dream and kind of like, you know, tell them how to navigate that dream and help them navigate that dream, they can get caught up. The book Grown by Tiffany Jackson, um, it was a quick read for me. 
um, as I read it, as I went through every chapter, it really, really got hard to uh, digest because you could see the signs, you could see the warnings, but you could see the girl floating away, you could see her parents losing a hold of her, and you could just really see how easily this can happen um, to someone. So in the book we have Enchanted, and she comes from a two-parent home, and it is her and her siblings, and her mother and her dad, and her mother works at the hospital as a nurse, her dad, you know, has a really um, good job at where he's in the union and he's just constantly working. And she is 17 years old in this book. She has a sister that is right under her. She's probably about 15 or 16. And then they have another sibling and then a set of twins in the household. So their parents all together have five children and Enchanted is the oldest. And so um, her and her family, they kind of refer to themselves as fish because they all love to swim. They all love the water and they actually uh, live in New York, but they moved from, you know, like a beach community near New York to a, a suburb where her parents have placed her and her sister into a private school where they are the only black children there and her parents have also placed them into this elite um, club for the black elite called, um, you know, Will and Willow. And that club is basically for black children who attend private schools, who live in predominantly white neighborhoods, who have like prominent parents. And um, the goal is for them to feel like even though they live in this different space where people are rich and their world is predominantly white, that they can lean on each other um, as a network and, you know, make sure that they are still, you know, thriving um, in their communities and amongst these other communities that they have been placed in. So she's in Will and Willow. She goes to this private school. She's on the swim team. She's a really great swimmer. And, you know, and she just talks about being black in that space, like initially having locks and then cutting her locks off and, you know, owning, having a low cut and, she talks about her relationship with her mom and her dad and how close-knit her family is and how she's taking it upon herself to make sure that she's always helping her parents with her younger siblings, who she refers to as the littles. And so as we get this whole dynamic of her life, we also come to realize that she has a passion that she doesn't feel like she's able to fulfill because of the lifestyle that she currently lives and she's trying to figure out like how can I pursue this passion because Enchanted has a beautiful voice and she loves to sing. So what she does is she tells her mom that she has a swim meet in um, inner New York and her mom goes to take her to this swim meet that doesn't really exist and um, once they find out that the swim meet is not there, she goes, oh, well, mom, can we go to this other place? It's not far from here. And so she kind of just like tricks her mom into taking her to BET's version of American Idol so that she can try out. So when they get there and she gets ready and she tries out for this BET version of American Idol, 
she decides to sing an old school song which is just the residue of them previously living with her grandma before they relocated to the suburbs of New York. And her grandma would always have them like listening to this old school music. And so she was very fond of artists like Roberta Flack and Shaka Khan and Gladys Knight and, you know, just, you know, Minnie Ripperton and just like these old voices that were soulful and that were beautiful. So when she goes to try out at this competition, she sings an older song. Well, they don't agree with her singing the older song. They're like, why didn't you sing Beyonce or anything like that? But while she is there, Corey Fields, who is like this mega superstar R&B singer, he comes into the building and he hears her sing. And so uh, when he hears her sing, he meets her backstage and he kind of gives her pointers. And of course, her being a 17-year-old young girl, meeting this famous, you know, adult R&B singer who has all these number one hits, who, you know, you think is wonderful and you think he's fine and you only know his celebrity persona. Of course, she's enamored. Of course, she's taken back. Of course, she's hanging on to his every word. And so he sees that and he's like, you know, trying to have a conversation with her under the guise of being able to kind of like help her. But initially he's just like, oh, hey, you know, your voice is beautiful. I love the song that you chose. Like, you know, try this next time because I can hear the nervousness. And then, you know, her mother approaches and he's like, hey, let me set you guys up with some concert tickets so that you can come to the concert. So it's like Corey starts his thing off with her by, you know, being nice and, you know, giving her advice and, you know, um, taking an interest in what she's doing, all while planting a seed of hope in her that, hey, I can help you make it to this next level, possibly. So she takes the concert tickets and she goes to the concert with her parents and when she gets to the concert with her parents that's when you know um, her parents are swept away to be introduced to some other celebrities that are in this back room where she is and that gives Corey the moment to have kind of like a one-on-one with her and kind of establish more of a connection with her in which he slips her phone his phone number into her phone and he's already planting these little seeds of manipulation like hey here's my phone number like don't tell anybody I gave that to you like don't tell anybody we're texting and we're having conversations and like you know we're going to get together and we're going to work on your music so all of this relationship that he's created with her is all under the guise of we're going to work on your music like I am going to make you a star because I am already a star so he gets her phone number and then right away he begins texting her and he's texting her different songs he likes and they're just having those intro conversations that you have when you meet someone and you're interested in them and you guys begin just kind of building you know your rapport with one another and so that's what they're doing but you know this whole time Enchanted is you know enamored by this whole you know uh, 
this whole situation of this mega superstar having her phone number and texting her and asking her all these questions and taking interest in the things that she's interested in. And, you know, it, it becomes problematic right away because he's doing these things with her parents around in a way that only she can hear it or she can see it and even though her parents are concerned about her and they are aware of her it just shows you like how slick predators would be you know so that they can like have these conversations and kind of establish these relationships you know with um a child and you know it, it it's like um a couple of things here that you would want to point out, you know, being a parent is you can trust your child, you can love your child, you can educate your child. But the thing is, you know, emotions are real. And so when someone is talking to your child in a way and they're stirring up these emotions, your child is going to feel those emotions, but you have to make sure that your child is aware that this is inappropriate. A 28-year-old man having this conversation with a 17-year-old is inappropriate. And the 17-year-old needs to realize like, no, he may not be saying anything directly sexual to you, but he's building a bridge to that level of conversation. There's no way a 28-year-old man should be asking a 17-year-old child, like, what's your favorite movie? Like, what songs do you like to listen to? Like, oh, um, like, what do you do on the weekends? Like, all of that is very inappropriate conversation. And, and we have to educate our children on the difference between appropriate conversation and inappropriate conversation. And we have to just kind of give them those those warning signs, like let them know that these are red flags. Like you are a child. So if any adult wants to communicate with you, like you don't give your phone numbers out to adults. Unless it's like your grandpa and your, your granddad and your, your grandma, you know, um, you know, unless it's your aunts or your uncles, like, you know, people that I have approved you to give your phone number out that are adults. Like other children who are your age, I can understand you exchanging phone numbers with them, but like if he wanted to get in touch with Enchanted about some business, like, you know, you have to tell your child, like if any adult comes to you and, there's, and it's a business venture and they want to talk to you about some business, like then that adult needs to come through me. Like they need to get my phone number and they need to ask me. Like you don't talk to my child about places where you want them to be or places where you want them to go or anything involved in their future in a phone conversation or through a text message. You know, that all comes through me. And that's kind of, you know, where like Enchanted went wrong. She didn't tell her parents that he was texting her and that she was having these conversations with him. She just so much enjoyed these conversations because she's also this younger girl who's never had a boyfriend, who's never, you know, had any kind of interaction with the male of like, I like you, except, you know, some of the dynamics with the, the guy and the Will and Willow, but, 
you know, so she doesn't really know how to navigate relationship. Like she doesn't know what even the beginning stages of this looks like because she's been so sheltered. And he knows that. So that's why he knows that this conversation that he's having with her is, is gonna go far because he, as a predator, has decided um, what kind of woman falls for this mess that he likes to do. So um, she has this best friend and her best friend who goes to school with her um, is also in a relationship with the older guy, but their relationship dynamic is different because the best friend was 14 and the guy was 17 when she met him. And now the best friend is 17 and the guy is like 20. And so, um, but they went to school together and he's in college. And, you know, some parents would deem that relationship dynamic as different, as, as, as inappropriate as well. But, you know, it's kind of like their history there is different. And it's not like he is, she's a 17 year old girl that's with a 28 year old man, a man who was already grown and mature once he met her. The friend was this 14 year old girl who, you know, in the ninth grade, just think of you being 14 years old and you're in the ninth grade and you start talking to somebody and they're in the 11th grade and you guys start dating and you date the whole time. So you, you know, you're in the ninth grade, you're in the 10th grade, he's in 11th grade and 12th grade. Then he goes to college his first year and you're in the 11th grade. Then his second year, you're in the 12th grade. So it's kind of like a different dynamic because they're both kids. But like I said, some parents still would not approve of that dynamic for their children. So it's dependent on the situation, but never would you ever approve your 17 year old daughter talking to a 28 year old man. And so Enchanted kind of was looking at her friend's situation and she felt like her, this situation was okay because her friend does date, you know, an older guy. So when she decided to share this information with her friend, her friend was like, no, like, no, that, that's inappropriate. Like, he's sick. Like, he's a predator. And Enchanted couldn't understand why her friend was saying that when she felt like she was in a similar situation. And that just goes along with, you know, kids just not having experiences and really not having the capacity to understand why one thing is different from the other because they're still growing and they're still learning and they don't understand all the emotions and kind of what somebody is, you know, trying to convey or imply with their actions. Um, and I'm going to go off topic for one second here. That's why I always preach to my son that it is so very important for you to read because when you read a book, fiction, nonfiction, biographies, you know, any kind of book, there's always gonna be a protagonist and an antagonist. Like they're always creating and developing a character. And as you read the book and they develop the character in the book, you're able to get a sense of that character's personality, like their character traits, like the things that they say and how they carry themselves and the way that they say words and what those mean. And so I told him by reading books and reading stories, it's also going to help you 
discern and, and be aware of the character of people that you encounter because you're going to see their body movements you're going to hear their voices you're going to see how they act and you're going to be able to develop like a sound judgment of their character by how they talk what they do and how they act and that is so very important because that is going to help you to really you know make a choice of kind of like who's good who's bad who to be connected to who not to be connected to you know kind of what their morals are and what their values are and that skill alone is going to help you so much in life and it's going to save you it's either going to link you to opportunities or it's going to detach you away from things that are meant to devour you and I meant that thing and I, I feel like you know um with Enchanted she was all already you know a very um child that had a very like romanticized idea like she grew up her dad telling them they were fish and they were mermaids and they so they kind of grew up with this romanticized idea of what their family was and, and what it meant to be family and then on top of that it's like you know she also was really into Disney movies so she was watching Disney Disney movies and you're watching all these love stories and that's another thing that Corey connected with her on is all these love stories and these Disney Disney movies so she had a very very romanticized idea of what relationship looked like and you know what that dynamic was and is and kind of what to expect so she really didn't see she knew he was older but she didn't make it a thing and then on top of that you know, she just really didn't feel like he would cause her any harm because she thought he was so sweet because of where they, like, connected on things. So it, it, it was just um, crazy to see just the development um, and how he connected with her so that he can kind of, like, reel her in. So that was just, you know, a very surprising thing to see. So now that we've kind of discussed what Enchanted's lifestyle was like with her mother and her father and her siblings and the clubs that she belonged to and the activities and kind of how she was able to see Corey and how he established a connection with her. Next we're going to talk about how you know things kind of get out of hand and how Tiffany Jackson did a great job of tying this reality and also like sprinkling it with um, fantasy because of the way Enchanted drifted in and out of her Disney stories and her, her Disney stories and also her idea of being a you know mermaid and kind of like how she began coping once things got real and we're also going to dig into the enablers that were around Corey that allowed things to get this far. Um, if you haven't noticed yet, this story sounds so familiar to things that we have seen in the headlines and in the news. But I just want you guys to know that this is so very true. Like these things that are happening, they are really real stories. So in the last segment, we talked about how real the story is, and we talked about Enchanted, a little bit about her life, 
we talked about um, her best friend who she has at the school, Gabriella. And Gabriella and Enchanted are at the school together, and they are the only minorities in their class. Um, Gabriella is Hispanic, but she looks like a white girl for the most part, and we know Enchanted is African-American. So um, the next thing I would like to talk about is the enablers that take place in this book. At some point, you begin to look at um, Enchanted's parents like they are enablers, and then you have to look at all of the people who are around Corey Fields. So let me give you a little background on Corey Fields in this book. In this book, Corey Fields is a talented R&B singer who has plenty of awards and accolades for the time that he's been in the industry. When Enchanted meets Corey Fields, he is 28 years old, and at this time, she is 17 years old. But Corey Fields has been in the limelight as an actual singer since he was about 15 years old. Um, Corey is a talented musician, but he does not know how to read music, but he knows how to play multiple instruments. He has an amazing voice. He has a raw talent. A talent. He um, has, you know, this sex appeal, and you know, he just, you know, has this demeanor where he's charismatic, where he is very just, um, you know, like charming. Women fall in love with him. If you think about the different kind of R&B singers that our teenagers like today, I have a niece, you know, they love Chris Brown. You know, they love, um, you know, I'm trying to think of somebody besides Chris Brown because I really just don't <laughs> know like that anymore right now. But they they love the Chris Browns. They love the Bryson Tillers. They love these guys who are out here, you know, singing. Um, and I remember when I was their age, you know, I loved Usher. I, I remember loving Tyrese. I remember just loving these different celebrities because even though they are celebrity and even though they are older than you, it's, it's just that whole romanticization thing. It's, it's that whole, like, what's your idea of love looks like? And it's like, oh, being with this person and they're sweet and they're wonderful. And as far as your little mind takes you um, when it comes to sex is just like a kiss and holding their hand and hugging them. You know, it's what they show us that relationships are in Disney movies. It's something that Enchanted is very, you know, attached to in this book. So we know that when we have these crush on these celebrities, we do not think about it in a sexual way and we also don't think that we would ever meet them so corey fields has been a celebrity since he was 15. you know he really didn't have his parents he grew up with his grandmother and then sometime in his young life you know his grandmother she passes away so when his grandmother passes away he no longer has family he is kind of being raised by the people that he has gotten connected to in the industry um, one of the people that he is connected to, um, who is always with him is this young lady who acts as like his administrative assistant, his secretary, and you know, who also 
you know, just helps him with his everyday dealings, his household, where he is, what he does, how he works, and everything like that. And then the other is this music um, executive uh, producer who Enchanted um, becomes friends with his son because his son is in Will and Willow. So he is the only person that Enchanted meets during this whole tenure who's like her age. Um, and who she gets to have like some conversation with or she feel comes comfortable around um, because what happens is after Enchanted goes to a Corey's concert with her parents um, Corey has a conversation you know with Enchanted parents in which he's telling them like let me bring Enchanted into the studio let me let her record let me help her fulfill her dream of becoming a star so Enchanted parents are like, okay, you know, we'll let her do it. Of course, Enchanted has like begged them to allow her to do this. So they take her to Corey's studio and they meet, um, you know, the young lady who poses as like his admin assistant, the one who handles all of his traveling and everything. And um, they meet the, the, the young lady and she like shows them around everywhere. And then she's like, the only place that you guys cannot be is in the studio where Corey makes his magic. Of course, her parents, they're not being naive, really. You know, they're kind of just like, oh, yeah, like that's where he makes his magic. He has all of these accolades, all of these awards, all of these Grammys and stuff like that. So we'll let her go in there. And they feel like as long as they're downstairs, as long as they're on the premises, that they are being there for their daughter, that they are present and that, you know, can't much happen because we are, you know, right here. But what happens is Enchanted, she goes in the studio and at first her and Corey, you know, they are, you know, singing together, making music together. But the whole time you can tell just by the things that Corey is saying, you know, that he is just trying to like reel her in. So what he does is um, him and Enchanted, they sing this song together in the studio and he records Enchanted and him singing the song. And so he's already like texting Enchanted and trying to become closer to her. He's already saying things to her to become closer to her, to make her feel, you know, comfortable, to talk to her in a way that he knows that she hasn't been talked to before. And when you're a young girl and you've never had... And when you are a young girl and you have never had a man speak to you in that manner, and all of a sudden your only vision of relationship is this romanticized Disney love, then when someone starts saying those things and just kind of being there with you and being able to, um, you know, level with you and, you know, relate to you about um, where you are mentally, romantically, it is overwhelming. It, it gives you feelings. It gives you emotions. And, you know, we can't just disregard the fact that our kids do have feelings, that they have emotional feelings as children, but they only have those emotional, emotional feelings to a certain capacity. So Corey is just, you know, slowly but surely reeling enchanted in slowly but surely that's what's happening he he's reeling her in and so what we find out about Corey is um the young lady who is 
the one that helps Corey and that takes care of everything, we see Enchanted mention that she really doesn't know this young lady's age, like that she can't really tell that she looks like a young lady, but she may be a little older. Like, you know, she just can't really figure out how old she is. And um, Enchanted, you know, when she is talking to Corey and they're having conversations and the conversations are starting to escalate where they're getting more sexual because he's kind of asking her about, you know, any of her experiences or can she kiss him or can she like hug him? You know, when she asks him about his experiences, you know, he tells her that his first time was with the older woman when he was, you know, 16 years old. And, um, you know, it wasn't until Enchanted, you know, started looking at different things and different pictures does she piece everything together as we go down the line. So we come to find out that Corey really doesn't have any parents to protect him because his parents are gone. His grandma, who he grew up with, she's gone. We also knew that he grew up with a church background and that um, when his grandma died, he was still very young. So he was kind of left under the to be, you know, his guardians turned into people that were in the industry. And, you know, the people in the industry, they saw these things that Corey was doing. They saw that he liked young girls because Enchanted wasn't the only one. Um, there were different cases out there about Corey Fields, and he just was kind of, you know, um, dodging and not getting caught up by the hair on his chinny chin chin and having settlements and paying people off so that he really wasn't in court to be, um, you know, taken to trial and actually convicted of these crimes that were in, you know, the headlines about him. So, you know, we know that something is going on with him because we don't know what all he's endured um, being a 16-year-old, still being a child, being in the music industry and not having anybody biologically to look after him or have his best interests, only having people that have connected themselves to him because he was going to make them a lot of money. So, you know, if he was abused in the industry as well, A lot of times, you know, people who are predators, who are abusers, they also suffer that abuse at some point in their life. So they begin to mimic that behavior of the abuser because they felt like that person had a lot of power. And especially if the person got away with it, they just, you know, they mimic that behavior because of how they perceive it. And they think that's the only way for them to take back their power. So with that being said, Corey, you know, he has this recording of him and Enchanted in the studio and he knows that he's this mega superstar and he has all of these followers. So what he does is he blows Enchanted up because she's not, she hasn't told anybody about her interaction with him because, you know, she's very private. The only people that know are like her and her parents. So he posts it on Instagram and immediately overnight, she's a star. You know, she's a star immediately overnight. Everybody's seeing this video and everybody is, you know, um, she's gaining all of these followers on social media. But once again, you know, he is using his popularity, you know, for evil because, yes, it helps her to get um, 
her name out there and everybody's like, who is this girl singing with, you know, Corey Fields the same way if Chris Brown or Usher or any of these stars, um, you know, that we know now, or, you know, if they were to post a video of them with someone and that person was unknown, we would be like, who is this? Like, who is this person that they're posting this video with? And, you know, people go and follow people, all kinds of stuff. Um, so that's what he did that blew her up overnight. Then she was kind of becoming like a household name. Everybody wanted to know who she was. And that was kind of the segue that he used in order to convince her parents to allow her to pursue this music career. So her parents, you know, they didn't want to let her go. They're like, you're young. Like, we don't want you to do this. But she puts a guilt trip out on her parents about how she doesn't do anything but commit her lives to them. And how all she wants to do is be a singer. So her parents signed, um, basically signed her over to the young lady that handles all of Corey's business. And that young lady is supposed to be making sure that Enchanted is doing her work. She's supposed to be Enchanted's guardian. And Enchanted begins touring with Corey Fields. What her parents are not aware of is during this time that Enchanted is touring with Corey Fields, he begins to develop this, you know, intimate relationship with her and he has her change herself and she becomes this singer and then, you know, the manipulation sets in even more. But now he has her away from the grips of his parents. Um, You know, he turns her into basically one of many she didn't know at the time one of his many girls like she becomes one of his many girls and she's singing background um you know for him and he's also doing some things with her where he's allowing her to um do duets with him on stage but we find out that Corey is abusive he begins hitting enchanted he begins making her do like physical you know, sexual things with him. She begins to see this dark side of him that he's controlling, that he's manipulative, that he, you know, she isn't the only one, that he sleeps with other women. He takes her to this house where he has a lot of different girls who she begins to see are all underage. And then it begins to click with her because she loses contact with her parents. Um, He takes away her phone. He locks her into this room. Her parents haven't heard from her in months. They're looking for her. They're trying to find her. They're going to places where he know, uh, where they know that he is. They're sending the police to do well checks. And she's telling the police that she's okay because, you know, um, Corey has told her the things that he will do to her family and has fed her these lies of things that he believes Um, that she believes he's going to do. So she becomes, you know, enslaved to him. She becomes in bondage to him. And it's a crazy bondage because it's the one where it's, you know, like it's, it's domestic violence. It's, it's sexual abuse. It's manipulation of the mind. It's all of these crazy things to where she, she becomes caught up. She becomes caught up and she has gotten herself into something that she's not old enough to conceptualize. And she knows she needs help and she knows she needs to get out of this. So now she's trying to figure out, you know, a way to get away. And, you know, and that is it's a horrible thing because 
he has so many people around him that support what he does either silently or, you know, directly that it is hard for her to kind of find a, um, ally anywhere. And the only ally that she really has is that of the, um, boy that's her age that, um, dad is a record producer and works along with Corey. So, The beautiful thing about this story um, is the way that Tiffany Jackson wrote it. Um, Like I said, her writing, she just provided so many layers. She provided the, um, with her name being Enchanted, she provided the fantasy layer. She provided, you know, the fact that um, Enchanted is still very much a child, even though she's 17, that um, her outlook on life is still very positive and immature. And then she also provided the harsh reality that is out there, that um, there are predators everywhere, that our children can be subject to abuse at any time. And that does not mean that we're not a good parent because that happened to them. Um, You know, she did a great job of just layering Um, The fact that, you know, manipulation takes place first. And when predators have met your family, you know, they manipulate your family as well. And so it was just a great story to see how she brought everything together. But on top of the fantasy that she sprinkles throughout the story and on top of this realistic um, fiction because she says, you know, this is still a fictionalized story, even though it has a content that is very uh, true. On top of that, she also weaves together moments of where you're like, what the hell is going on? Um, We see that um, she also puts in, you know, just elements of you know, mental illness, um, elements of PTSD, you know, elements of just different things going on. I I remember why I was reading this book and she built this relationship between Enchanted and Gabriella. And she gave us, and, and, and that's her best friend who she went to school with. And then she gave us this information about Gabriella's boyfriend and where he went to school. And I remember when um, Enchanted got to, you know, when she got away from Corey, um, the first time and she comes back home and she's there with her parents and like, she's telling her parents things and they're not, they're not knowing if they should believe her or not. And then we find out that there's this history of mental illness in her family and that her grandma has it. And some of the things that Enchanted is saying her parents are starting to think that she's making it up. Not about what happened with her and Corey, but, you know, about her relationship with her friend Gabriella. And, you know, and it's almost to the point where it has enchanted feeling like she's crazy because nobody is aware of who Gabriella is but enchanted. And, you know, Enchanted's trying to call Gabriella. She's not picking up. She's trying to text her and she's not responding. She's trying to email her and nothing is happening. And it's kind of crazy because nobody in their right mind knows, like, is this true? What Enchanted is saying? 
and Enchanted, you know, you wouldn't have think from reading the story that Gabriella doesn't exist. So you think that she's exists to us. So it's not until Tiffany brings this element into the story that you're like, hold up, does Gabriella exist? And then when um, Enchanted goes to visit her grandmother before she has to turn herself in, because what happens is once again, in the beginning of the story, one of the many layers that Tiffany uses is she opens up this story with Enchanted talking about beet juice, which is what she calls blood, and Enchanted talking about Corey Field's body. And so we're going back and forth from like present time to past time to what is currently going on and Enchanted going back and telling her story what all led up to this point so it's kind of like you know when Enchanted goes to spend a day with her grandma at the beach community where they come from you know she realizes that when her parents weren't believing her and they thought she had this mental disorder that her grandma actually does have a mental disorder where she's imagining people, where she's imagining people that's not there. And when Enchanted sees this, it makes her panic. And she really is like, am I imagining this? Like, is Gabriella real? Like, is all of this stuff that I'm coming up with, is it just like, you know, a result of the time that I spent with Corey? Like, has he isolated me so much in these locked rooms and kept me locked up for hours that I have no idea what is real and what is not real anymore? Like, is Gabriella a defense mechanism? Like, you know, she begins to challenge herself. And that was an element that I didn't see coming. So kudos to Tiffany Jackson, because when I saw that, I was like, wow, like, I like the way she wrote that because, you know, it not only it, it like this is when it becomes that young adult fiction because it reads like it just have elements of things where you're like, this is crazy and this gets more crazier. And now I understand what's going on. And so when Enchanted sees that, like it puts this fear in her and she begins to think like, Am I actually crazy? Did I actually make these things up? And, you know, it's hard when you're going through something so traumatic and you're trying to get facts, but then you you don't even know, like, is this true? Is this not true? Like, you begin scaring yourself. So I really, really, um, you know, felt enchanted, you know, during that part of, trying to then separate reality from maybe her mind playing tricks on her because of the trauma that she's endured. But, um, you know, this story, it just, it weaves so many tales and it is so good because it, it is just definitely a subject that we need to talk about. Like we need to talk about, um, how we are parenting our children We need to talk about some of the more raw conversations that we need to have with our kids. We need to talk about to our children about friendships because we need to know their friends because, you know, enchanted parents possibly could have got to her a lot sooner if they knew who Gabriella was like. And it was like they knew surface enchanted, but they didn't know a lot about enchanted. And it's like your kids, their phone, like 
you buy your kids a phone so that you can connect with them and so that you can, you know, but you know, you need to go through your kids' phones. You need to go through their text messages. You need to look at these apps that they're downloading because the manipulation took place first and foremost through text messaging. Like that's how he got her. Like that's how he got her mind. And then once he got her mind, he got her on a mission to feeling like she was going to do whatever she needed to do so that she could be with him because she had tricked herself into thinking that he was the way to her dream. And not only was he the way to her dream, but she also were having, you know, romantic fantasies about him just because she idolized him because he was a celebrity and he took full advantage of that. And she also noticed that, you know, he took advantage of that with the other younger girls. And, you know, I hate what made her come to her realization. Like, I hate that she didn't come to the realization that he is a predator, Like he sought me out and he, you know, abused me and he used me and he was wrong. Like he had her so in love with him that she didn't even come to the realization until she saw that there were other girls when she was locked up in the house with the other girls. And it was one girl that she um, he had there that was like 14 or 15 years old. And that's when it started to break her heart because that girl was the same age as her little sister and she realized she needed to leave. But again, he had these enablers. He had a security guard that if they tried to run away would chase them down and bring them back and like would threaten them. And then, you know, he had the young lady who actually turned out to be the woman who uh, Corey had sex with when he was 16. It doesn't say that for concrete in the book, but this is just, you know, I feel like it was implied and I feel like that's the truth. So that's what I'm going to say. But, um, you know, like I said, with Enchanted, from her thinking she was crazy to her thinking she was grown to her thinking she, you know, um, didn't know how she was going to, you know, get out of this to her going and finding Gabriella's boyfriend and kind of confronting him to ask him like, you know, where's Gabriella and him? Like, I don't know who you're talking about or what you're talking about. Like you need to leave to her going to a support meeting for people who have been victims of Corey Fields. And another thing, just realizing that within that support group, he had all of those girls' minds so gone that some of them wish they were still with him. Like they only were not with him because they got too old and like he let them go, you know, and just different things like this. So it was just so freaking crazy. And it was such a roller coaster. And just like her dynamic of like coming back to her family after being abused. And it was just how Corey was such a predator that even when she got back with her family, he was still finding ways to reach out to her, like still finding ways to get her. And, you know, and finally um, she was out of town for back with her Jack and Jill. I mean, Will and Willow. Um, group that she was in and Corey got her to come with him you know to a hotel room because he threatened the life of her sister and you know he threatened her and she thought again that she could fix it herself and so when she went with him you know it kind of like she fell under that manipulation again and she kind of like blacks out she doesn't really know what happens 
and she wakes up and she finds that Corey is dead and so she leaves the scene so this book is it's about a a girl who loves to sing and how her life is turned upside down it's about a celebrity who is a predator it is about a a family that loses their daughter it is about a a father and a mother who's dealing with a mother mental illness so he has to detach his family from that for their safety it is about going and being a minority in a school and dealing with the black elite and how it is to deal with people who have money and limitless resources and people back them up whether they are right or wrong you know this book um you know, it's about a lot of things. And I definitely would let my high school, middle school daughter read it. And I would definitely have a conversation with her about it. And also, like, you know, I would let my son read it and have a conversation with him about it. And there are just so many different things. It's about teenagers, you know, drinking prematurely and the situations that they get into when they do that. You know, it's about addiction because sometimes when, you know, people are abusing you, they'll get you addicted to a substance so you won't be in the right mindset so that they can manipulate you even further. It it was just about so many things. And, you know, after reading the book in its entirety, I kind of questioned myself about the the title, about the title Grown. Because I'm like, I know she named it Grown. And when I first seen the title and I seen the cover, I thought this was going to be kind of like a 2020, the coldest winter ever. But it was very, it was very different from that. Um, It was filled with a lot of things that I didn't expect. So job well done, Tiffany D. Jackson. Thank you for taking the time to tell stories that need to be told. Thank you for, you know, publishing this book. And even though when people were coming at you sideways about who this book in particular was about, you knowing that this story wasn't, you know, a monolith, that this has happened plenty of times, that there are plenty of stories in Hollywood and in these lifestyles where children have fallen victim, um, have fallen victim to people with money, to the elite because of enablers and because they are being protected. Thank you for, you know, taking this book and just giving us a subject matter that will probably be hard to talk about in any kind of way, but putting it in story form so that we can really pull out these things that are happening and what leads up to them. And we could begin training our children on what is really happening. Um, You know, thank you for showing us the importance of just being more involved in your children's life, no matter how they feel about it, you know, being on their neck, being invasive, because the way this world is working, the spiritual warfare that is going on, the, the normalcy that people have created with perversion is ridiculous so just thank you for just reminding us us to be that invasive parent to mind reminding us to kind of you know redraw our boundaries for who we allow in our households who we have for our families and also reminding us to really help our children to navigate their dreams because that is very important and thank you for telling the stories of little black girls everywhere Um, I know that you have a lot of other books that they say also tell some amazing stories and I cannot wait to receive them. 
so that I can read them. For the rest of the year, I'm going to be reading Tiffany D. Jackson books and then also a book by a new author named Shidanea called The Hope Frequency. So I'm so excited about reading those. If you guys want to join my book club, make sure you follow me on Instagram at the T-H-E-E Lit House. Make sure you subscribe and rate The Lit House Podcast and Uh, Once again, thank you so much, everyone, for just taking the time to listen to my podcast. My name is Ta, and I enjoy being in this space with you today to discuss something that I absolutely love, which is books. Until next time.